Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast after another Sunderland game. Last five we are up to now. Of course, this was the fifth four to go after this. A 2-1 win at home to Birmingham, a game that certainly had it all. And we'll get through everything that happened during the game. And once again, at this point of the season, what that result and goal difference does to the table, which is very interesting at this point. But first and foremost, John, home games were the thing that we pointed out were an issue. Um, and obviously the majority of the games that we have left are at home. Uh, next one's Huddersfield, and I think Watford might be the last home game, if I'm not mistaken. Have to win the home games if we want any chance of getting into the playoffs. And so far, it is one from one. Yeah, you know, that that's all you can do. You know, it's been highlighted, you know, during the week. I think Mowbray's Mo- gone through it. Um, and obviously, we all know it's not. It's not been good enough. So, <clears throat> to start off your sort of your mini run, you know, the, the last five games, um, you know, to start off with a win is... You know, it's fantastic. It's not. It's not all about the performance. Obviously, we'll get into that. It's you know, it's it's results. You know, end of the season, and you know, I'm sure none of us are going to be talking about the 90 minute performance, barring the the individual bits of quality that won us the game. But yeah, it stands us in good stead. You know, for the next home game on on Tuesday night. Yeah, and like I say, we'll get onto the performance, but it is one of them. Ga- well, it's pretty much name identical to the game that we had at home against Hull. Obviously, that one finished 4-4. Um, and, you know, after the last game, we looked at that one and said them two points that we dropped could cost us. They were 17th at the time when we played them, and I think they moved up slightly after that point, much of where they are now. And I think they've got a game um, either now at the time of recording or tonight against Blackburn. And in the same situation, Birmingham were 17th when we played them, and I think they are still 17th now. So... It's not just a case of having to win the home games. It's a case of having to beat the teams at the bottom of the table if you want to go up the table yourself. Yeah, of course it is. You know, we know. You know, I don't. I don't think it's it's a case of them being right in the relegation scrap. Obviously, they're they're in and around it. Um, and you know, you you've got to expect to come up against teams who are who are fighting for their life. Um, they they weren't a bad team. What we saw today, but you've still got to go out there and manage them. Um, obviously, play your way, <clears throat> manage the game, and it's individual bits of quality like we saw are the, you know, are the, are the difference in, in sort of three points or, you know, dropping two or or even getting beat. So, you know, it's there are different tests all the time to come up against, and it's thankfully it's one again that we've we've managed to come through, you know, fairly well. I'd say. Yeah, on the performance first half especially and obviously there's a couple of goals in there that we'll get onto but in general the first half performance one probably to be forgotten really quite easily as well yeah i think you're going to get that in you know end of the end of the season um you know it's is it is just you know what it's almost like a season or a half of football filler you know it's, it's something you're not really going to remember not a lot really really happened. There was a few nice bits of play. Um, you know, it's yeah, we obviously got undone with the goal. I think when Danny Bart steps out and and misses the tackle, you know, you'd expect him to maybe take one for the team there and just just bring the player down. But we get caught out and that's you know, we all get drawn to the ball and obviously, you know, that they, they open the scoring. So apart from that and, you know, Trey Hume obviously equalising just before half time, which always helps, you know, the first half you know, obviously we know it's a results business, but yeah, the first half is, you know, sort of best bet forgotten. Yeah. 
Well, it was Blake say it was Birmingham that did take the lead, and it's just very poor defending from Sunderland. And, you know, it's probably easier to say this when you're not the one playing it, but it was a very simple situation to deal with, really. You know, Chong, who had a very good game and, and caused trouble throughout, pretty much every time he got the ball, you knew what he was going to do. He was always going to try and cut in on his left. He did exactly that inside our box. I think it was Serkin goes in for a challenge. Obviously, Chong's cut back. Serkin's gone flying past him. And in the end, it's a simple pass into an open goal for Hall, I think it was, in the end. Yeah, that that bit of quality you can maybe atone for. But what you can't atone for, I thought, we, we just said it, you know, Danny Barth obviously being drawn out, which you don't want. And normally then with a covering centre-back of Ballard or Luco Nine, um, would, would normally then sort of actively cover you know, behind there. But obviously, Trey Hume is still fairly new to him. And, you know, I think there's four players around Trong when he's crossing. He's sort of, mm. you know, it's the easiest goal that, that Hall, I think it was Hall who scored. But yeah, it's the easiest tapping hill. He'll never score. He hasn't scored since August. Um, but yeah, it's one of those, you look at it, they'll say it's a really good goal from their perspective. Our perspective is, you know, really, really poor. Um, but, you know, it, it happens. And may, maybe we needed it a little bit just for kick up the arse. And, you know, thankfully it, it did work. It did, because just before half-time, Sunderland got the equaliser, made it 1-1. It was Trey Hume, who I think, is that his first goal since he signed? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. I think I've... it is. I can't recall another one that he scored, but that was his first goal. And to be honest, I didn't actually know who scored it at the time. Um, I think it was from corner. Pritchard whips it in. I'm not sure who it was that knocked it on. It ends up with Trey Hume at the back post, and you know, similar to the one that Hall scored for Birmingham. It's a very simple finish, into an empty net, and that is the goal that made all the difference really because Birmingham you know if they go in at 1-0 you know they were already happy to sit back play for a point time waste go down with injuries at 0-0 they took the lead they were going to do it even more and you know in the second half it would have been twice as bad so for Sunderland to get that goal at that time when they did is probably the most important part of this game Yeah 100% you know because you're going to get obviously you know frostiness sort of at half time and you know a bit of a reaction from the crowd and you know, people going on the ref and, the, and those types of things. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect time to score. If you're 1-0 down, it's the perfect time to score. You get in, you can regroup, you know, and then we, we sort of build on that. But it was, you know, Pritchard puts two hands up and I was thinking, well, we must have a bit of a plan here. And it's lobbed well over the back post to, to Danny Bart, who then heads it. Um, two players get drawn in and Patrick Roberts flicks it across the goal for Trey Hume to, to head at home. So, to be fair, it was, uh, I'd say it's about time. You know, so I think it might be our first proper corner or or only our second, you know, sort of set-piece goal. Um, so, you know, it's about time one of those, you know, actually worked and, and didn't hit the first man. But, yeah, on terms of scoring at that time, perfect. You know, it kills them a little bit. they got to think, hmm, do we come in? Do we come out second half and have a go? Do we sit tight? And, obviously, if if teams do sit tight, obviously they know with the players we got, they are in, in a bit of trouble. So, yeah, perfect time to score. Yeah. And, you know, the second half for probably the first kind of 10, 15 minutes followed a similar pattern in which the three players that saw the ball the most were, you know, Trey Hume, Danny Barr and Anthony Patterson. We couldn't really break Birmingham down. And, you know, if you look at the stats, you can see why our home form has probably struggled a lot this season. You know, 623 passes we made today compared to Birmingham's 285, less than half of what we did, 68% possession we had. But for large parts of that game, Barber, you know, I think the first kind of 10 minutes of the game, Sunderland had a few chances and got in behind. But, you know, after that, 
up until, you know, realistically, the goal that ended up winning the game, which we'll get on to, Sunderland had a lot of possession again without really threatening Birmingham. Yeah, that's that's true. But I think maybe if you're looking back on the whole game, and, and I think we said it, you know, we didn't really control it that well during the game. You've got to take the sting out sometimes because at times it was very much like a basketball game, sort of back and forth. They were attacking, we were attacking. And those are the games that are so open. You don't, you know, you don't want them like, like the whole game. You want to be able to manage. So it's, yeah, it might be frustrate, frustrating on the eye to watch. Um, I think at certain points in the game, you know, especially when it's getting like a bit erratic, you just need to put your foot on the ball. And I, I don't mind if the centre-backs are doing that, you know, with the goalkeeper for, for sort of 10, 15 minutes, you know, bit of a recharge, bit of a just, just holding pattern, you know, and we know when we get the chances, we can, you know, we can spring them quickly. Um, so it was, it was maybe a thing that they've picked up on, you know, like we're saying from, from the whole game, which was just so open for 90 minutes. And it, you know, the games, games can't be that open because, championship teams who have been here for a long time regardless of whether they're flirting with relegation or, or wherever will always be able to create chances so you have to you know you do have to manage those games so f- for me it's one of those you have to say sort of you know fair play and you know because the press was was not bad to be fair with getting out wasn't wasn't the best but you know for me I can I can take those you know when we just take the sting out of the game for the time being to sort of recharge and and go again yeah and obviously, we did make a few changes um, around the 60-minute mark. Luke O'Neill came on for Lyndon Gooch, and it was kind of a reshuffle. I'm not entirely sure how they actually lined up, because it was kind of like a back three out of possession. Sorry, back three in possession, back four out of possession. Um, Luke O'Neill came on for Gooch and Gelhart for Michu. And they are... Obviously, we made a few more changes after that, but they were the two changes that completely changed the game in Sunderland's favour, especially Gelhart, who's had a lot of criticism since he signed, and I think a lot of it is probably warranted because, you know, in terms of what his role in the team was earlier in the season, you know, when he first signed, was just to score goals, and he wasn't doing that. Um, you know, I think Mowbray's kind of realised that he's not really going to be that player, and the last few games that he has featured in, he has played in much uh, kind of like a false nine position and, you know, he thrived in it, not just against Hull, but again today. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. I think if I was being slightly critical, I'd want to see his press a little bit more getting across the pitch. You know, if he's only doing sort of half an hour, you know, 25 minutes, I think he's probably still got a little bit more to give. But to be fair, you know, he he obviously did his best. There was If he's the only guy up there pressing, um, you know, then... The press is a frustrating one because they'll just sort of knock it around him and then they're out. Um, so that's probably me just being a little bit critical. But yeah, certainly recent weeks, um, it's been it's been a lot better. I think a goal um, against Hull um, has obviously helped, um, and maybe not starting, so he doesn't feel the pressure to to have to you know start games and 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 get us sort of on top. Uh, maybe we've we've taken the pressure off him there, and and if you're going on to the other one, Luca and I, and I think he gives us a you know sort of an energy back there. It's almost like a a sitting midfielder, or sort of in at the back. Obviously, we know he's solid defensively, but today just bringing the ball out, switching the play, it was it's the the only frustration frustrating thing for me maybe was like we were saying, Chong was getting a lot of the ball, and you knew he, what he was going to do, and. You know, he's always going to try and take circle on a circle on the booking. I can't see why we haven't switched Gooch to left back. Um, mm. And, you know, brought Luke 9 on. Um, then I thought it would have been earlier because you just knew 
you just knew something would happen. But, you know, that's... I definitely said that at the time, but it's just one of those maybe you'd... You know, the management staff will maybe think about that because we know Sirkin loves a bit of a tackle. And to be fair, Chong was... You know, he had a decent game, to be fair. He did. But 15 minutes to go, Sunderland did get the goal that proved to be the winner in the end, albeit it was a little bit tight after that. And it was probably one of the first times that Sunderland tried to switch the player. You know, like I say, a lot of the time during the game, Sunderland had a lot of possession, you know, close possession, little triangles here and there, not really getting anywhere with it. But for the first time, probably I could actually remember in the game, Jack Clark gets the ball, he switched it to Ahmad and, you know, the credit will go to Ahmad for the goal and rightfully so because it is a very good finish that we'll talk about. But the pass from Clark originally will go under the radar but that is an outstanding pass and outstanding switch of play. Yeah, it's fantastic to be fair. You know, it's it's great vision and, and execution. Um, I think Mowbray has, has said that can we, can we switch to play really, really quickly? Because obviously, if, as soon as Clark gets the ball, you know, there's normally two men on him and he's, you know, he's not going to be able to beat those every time. Um, so if we've got players running through the middle, that then does free up whoever is, you know, out wide. And we know it doesn't matter if it's Roberts there or, or uh, Ahmad, they've got the quality in. You just want to see, sometimes you just want to see a bit more directness. Sometimes mm. it's a bit, you know, we're sort of blind alleys maybe sometimes. But the directness, I think, you know, because I think he, he takes out like three players on the turn, yeah. uh, manages to go past another player in the box and then sort of slot it in the bottom corner. So, you know, if we know how how good Ahmad is, um, you've you mainly got to get the ball to him. Um, and it was it's that individual skill was, you know, ultimately won us the game. And, you know, it's it all comes from uh, from Jack Clark. And to be fair, that is the way we do play. Can we switch it? Can we get it across? And vice versa. You'd like to see it obviously the other way. If, you know, when Clark's free out wide, that is, you know, one of our main attacking threats. So it's nice to see it come to fruition. Yeah. And it's a very similar sort of goal that Ahmad actually scored in the away fixture against Birmingham. He's on the right hand side of the box. Somehow, some way, the Birmingham defenders let him in and cut him in. Cut, let him cut in on his left. That's hard to say. Don't try that fast. Um, he cuts in on his left, beat one, beat two, put it in the bottom corner, and I mean, we'll get onto the table and you know where Sunderland could potentially be next season. But the chances of us seeing Ahmad in a Sunderland shirt after this season, after what he's done for us this season, is very minimal. And you can see why, and you can see why Man United have paid the money for them that they have. Yeah, of course, and it's you know it's probably taken them a while to find the right step for him. Obviously, went to Rangers, didn't from by, by all accounts didn't really work there. Um, and now, I mean, I watch I watch a lot of football, um, and I watch a lot of Man United games, and I wouldn't have said, you know, he'd look out of place there. He's going to get a lot more time on the ball. Um, he's going to have a lot more sort of better quality around him, although not much more, but. You know, depending on who they bring in. Um, and, you know, if they could play that quick, intricate football, you imagine him with sort of Bruno Fernandes and Ericsson and the vision that they have, you know, it's... Because they're, they're going to they're gonna have to have a big clear out, obviously, in the summer. And there's no point in them spending 40-odd million or how much whoever he's going to cost eventually, you know, if they're, if they're not going to give him a chance. But, yeah, just, you know, a fantastic player. And he's probably the one... One or you know, there's probably three in in the squad who, I think today he had four men on him, and he still yeah. used to come out sort of skipping around with the ball, and you're just like, this this guy is just different level, and that's I think that's ultimately the thing that 
we're going to say, well, he's he's obviously not going to be a bar in maybe. And that, I say a miracle of things come together and that'll be us sneaking into the playoffs, getting promoted. Then I think Man United may then think we could let him back to Sunderland and keep on his progression. Maybe I still think they'll they'll want him back, but maybe they'll they'll say, well, you can have another Premier League loan if you know with the way Sunderland are playing. Um, but that's I think that is a massive long shot, and I I don't hold any hope. And it's it's just another one to add to the list of you know loan players that you just you know you absolutely fall in love with that you shouldn't, but. Ultimately, you do because of of how good they've been for you and your club. Another French speaking one as well. Yeah, yeah, another one, yeah. <laughs> but Sunderland do what Sunderland always do, and you think a two-one the way Birmingham were playing, albeit they had a few chances and got forward here and there. Two-one was looking fairly safe, I think most people were thinking. Um, but Sunderland do what they like to do and made it harder for themselves and made it a lot more. Anxious, I suppose, for the last 12 minutes or so it was, because just three minutes after Sunderland took the lead, I think subs were getting ready. I think Equa was going to come on pretty much, you know, straight after that goal. Birmingham take the kick off. The ball eventually falls to Chong, who puts the ball past Sergan. Sergan blocks him off, takes a whack in the face for it as well. And it's a second yellow card. It's a red card and Sunderland are down to 10. And there's a few people debating whether it's a foul, whether it's a second yellow, but I don't think there's too much to really complain about with that one. Well, I think I think it's one of them, and if you know, if 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 me and you are going for the ball and you knock the ball past me, is it in my remit to move out the way? Probably not. But ultimately, we know in this day and age that is you you get a free kick for that. You know, the, you get free kick yeah. for a lot less. You know, in this day and age, and it's there's probably a few frustrations there. Sirkin should know that he's he's you know he's on a booking. Um, I thought Chong would have taken him on a little bit more than he did. Um, maybe we've left Sirkin a little bit isolated as well. You'd, you'd think one of the midfielders would step in. I think Dan Neil plays the other side. Um, you know, you, you'd like to think whoever was in midfield, I think it was Michu a lot of the game. Um, yeah. Pritchard came and sat in. You want to think maybe there's a bit more protection um, from them, but it's it's just one of them. And, you know, we, we, we said it earlier, you know, the management could easily react to it and I don't know why you need to bring Gooch off when he played at left back and because I think Gooch probably deals with him pace wise as well. Yeah. Um and you know just double up on him like like teams do with with Clark Roberts and, and Ahmad, whoever's whoever's playing that wide. So it's it's one of those frustrating things. But like you say, we're Sunderland and we like to do it the hard way. If we're winning, you know, let's give the the opposition the you know a a bit of a chance and yeah, that's what we did. We did. But luckily it didn't come to anything because Sunderland held on and, you know, it is a win. It's three points and moving on to what is probably the most important part of that result is the table now because Sunderland are up to ninth and uh, moving above Norwich, who, of course, were on the receiving end of a hammering last night, um, 5-1 away to Middlesbrough. So Sunderland go above them on goal difference, same games played and same points, just one better goal difference. Preston above Sunderland on 62 points. Blackburn above Sunderland on 62 points. Coventry above Sunderland on 62 points. And then a couple of teams one point or two points behind us as well. So ultimately we are one point off the playoffs. But at the same time, it is incredibly stressfully tight at the top. Yes, it's very tight. And, you know, we were saying, you know, after after the Cardiff game, 
Um, it's it's whoever's going to put that run together. You know, can it be us? I don't see any reason why not. But there's obviously plenty of teams in there who will, will fancy their chance as well. You always get one team that sort of steamrolls from from sort of tenth position. Yeah. Um, and you know, personally, my my view is that the club are not really. Well, I wouldn't say not, you know, but pushing for it, but they're they'd probably be happy to consolidate in there and and we and we go again next season. Um, but if I was Tony Mowbray, I'd put the gauntlet down to the players and just say, "We're it. We're in with a shout. Go and prove yourselves." That's yeah. To me, that's that's all I'd need to be told. You know, and, and it's like people say as well. And I think I've said it a few times. You will never, ever, ever in football, especially in the Championship, get a season where you can pick and choose where you know we want to get promoted this season. We will get promoted this season. If you get the chance, you're going to take it. And people say we aren't ready for the champ- uh, for the Premier League. We're going to get hammered. We'll finish bottom. We'll get relegated, and you know this, that, and the other. But if you look at the teams around us, um, you know, for example, Blackburn, Coventry, Millwall, Preston. If you asked fans of their clubs as well, I think a lot of them would say the same that they don't really think they have the squad for the Premier League. But you know, with the right investment a bit of momentum, anything can happen. And you look at some of the teams that have done it in the past. I think Sheffield United, I think they finished just outside Europe one season. Um, Brentford, albeit obviously their squad is a lot stronger than ours was at the season they got promoted. But again, you know, look what they're doing. They're challenging for Europe. So if something were to get promoted, it shouldn't really be a case of we're not ready for it yet. It's going to be good experience for the players that have never played there before. Young players, you know, all the money that comes with that, I think you get 100 million for promotion and then obviously the parachute payments that follow. If you have the chance to go for it, go for it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, I, and I'd, I'd probably say that we're, you know, in terms of recruitment and those types of things, we're, we're in a very, very healthy, um, you know, situation. And, you know, we I think we've proved against Fulham, you know, sort of twice who are a, what we'd call a, a decent Premier League team that we can go toe to toe with them. You know, we've, We've obviously had the injuries and stuff, you know, but with the right investment and maybe if you're picking up the players that we are picking up, yeah, some of them are still a bit raw. Obviously, there'd have to be investment, but that's that's what comes of it, unfortunately. There there can always be that expectation of, well, there's there's no expectation in Premier League. We, you know, well, let's see how we fare. Same as this league. There was no, obviously, we want to do well, but it was more, let's just consolidate and it'd be the same, same in the Premier League and anything's a bonus. Obviously, it's a long shot for us to get there. You know, but if we did, you know, like like you said, we we can't pick and choose. It'd be amazing if we did go up. There'd be a bit more financial stability because we're not, you know, we're not rushing out and spending sort of top money and having to pay players an extra 10, 20 grand, you know, to to get them to come here. People come here because they want to come here and they want to play football. You know, we've changed, we've changed course and it's it is working. But obviously, we I think we have to we have to be grounded a little bit and think. Let's just see how this goes, but. Yeah, I'll I'll take another trip to Wembley, you know, any day. Yeah. And just very quickly as well, I think someone said it in the chat that we're in as well. It would just be nice to have a trip to Wembley where no one's... Re- I don't want to say no one's bothered. You know, if something gets to a playoff final, everyone's going to want to win and, you know, people will be devastated if we lose. But there's no expectation for Sunderland to ear get into the playoffs and then to be win the playoffs. And, you know, that's, that's the first time in the last five years that there's been no expectation whatsoever and just enjoy what happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, the pressure's off. You know, how many years in the Premier League did we play with that pressure of every season? 
you know, every single one. And even when we got relegated to the championship, the pressure, we just couldn't handle it down to League One, which is why we stayed there for so long. We just had players who just, and managers who just couldn't handle the pressure. You know, now we've got ourselves to a, a decent state where there isn't, I wouldn't, there's positive pressure to go out and play well, but we're not under any pressure as right. We must get promoted. We must get to Wembley. We must get to the Premier League. There isn't that pressure there now. It's, you know, I think that's the same with the manager. It's the freedom. Go out and play. Go out and prove to yourself. You know, if I'm sure a lot of these players will be on massive contracts in terms of if you get promoted, we'll say Jack Clark's on, I don't know, 10 grand a week. I'm sure if we get promoted to the Premier League, there'll be a clause or something like that says, well, you go up to 25, you go up to 30. And that's the incentive for these players. That's what they want. They want to grow. They want to grow, obviously, in football terms and financial terms. That's that's the way of the world. So there's your incentive. Go out, prove yourself. And if you do prove yourself, Sunderland as a club are in a massive, you know, positive state. And it's it's taken a while. It's but... not it's not just that as well, though, because you look at some of the players and the recruitment that Sunderland have. Jack Clark's not going to stay at Sunderland forever. You know, Ahmad's obviously he's he's not going to stay here forever. Me too. You know, Sunderland have the option to buy him in the summer, but for a player that is growing every week and getting better every week, he's probably not going to be here forever. And it's one of them seasons where if you are a Jack Clark who's you know, he's been at Leeds, got a big move to Tottenham, didn't work out, went on loan to a couple of clubs, didn't work out. If you want to prove that you're good enough for the championship, you will get a bigger move in the future as well. Yeah, again, it's it's, it's the incentive. You know, if good things are only going to come if you're playing really, really well. You know, and like we say, what then comes the bigger clubs, the more financial. You know, I think just about every one of our players has been linked with a Premier League team, you know. Yeah. There's countless ones, and obviously Ahmad going back to Man United. You know, these we're not just talking about like you know other Championship teams around us or or lower than us. We're talking sort of you know Premier League teams. You know, proper elite football, the highest in this country. So again, there's there's your incentive, and you know I I've been happy for well let's say happy. The model has always been well if if someone's people are always for sale, you know, and that's no different now. And doesn't matter if it's Patterson or Dan Neal, which again, I'll be sad to see, but ultimately, if it benefits the club and the long term project, you know, say we get a 20 million pound bid for Patterson, for instance, or Dan Neal, and we do sell him, yeah, I'll be gutted. But if it goes back in and it, you know, provides yeah, Dan Neal's for 20 million, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get one. <laughs> but that, that, that is the recruitment, though, isn't it? People will look at and think, you know, Dan Ballard, for example, he's, you know, 25 million pound player, 30 million pound player easily. And you know, if you sell them for that, there'll be some people think, right, we could have got more. But if you go back to when we first got them, we signed them for two and a half million. You know, with the recruitment team that we have and the, you know, the scouting that we have, I think there was something earlier this week or maybe last week saying that Stuart Harvey was out in a different continent scouting for players. You could find another two or three Dan Ballards for the same price as to what you've just sold one of them for. And that's ultimately what, you know, Sunderland are probably trying to do. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, we've got a lot of French on the 21 kids. You know, how good is is the French, you know, set up? You know, they they win World Cups, you know, left, right and centre with their, you know, youth teams. And, you know, we're getting some fantastic players. And ultimately, there's going to be, you know, it'll probably be this summer, one or two, where big clubs do come calling. You have to say, thanks for all you've done, you know, and we'll sell you on. But I'd still say we're sort of still run on a, I say, a tight, you know, structure. You know, imagine if that structure just pushed to the, you know, to the next level slightly. Who, yeah. who can you, who can you then get? And you can point to, 
you know, you can go to teams and go, well, look at this player. A lot of players will have like buybacks, like, you know, Sirkin at Tottenham and those types of things. So they'll, you know, we still, we still tend to, to benefit financially, you know, even if those types of things happen, that's the sort of things that you want um, to happen going forward. Yeah. Well, just before we look ahead to the next game, very, very briefly, three of the best, off you go. Uh, but today I will go for, I think I'd have to go for Trey Hume as one. I thought he was very, very good again um, at the back with Bart and obviously he scored. Right place, right time. Um, who else? Uh, probably a quiet mention for Dan Neal in the middle. Again, he's played 90 minutes. He plays every week, never comes off. Um, you know, just does simple things well, tidies up, made some good blocks. And third and foremost would probably be Ahmad, just yeah. a quality footballer and enjoying for the next five weeks or four weeks, whatever it is. Six, if you include the playoffs. Six weeks, good shout, yes. Well, <laughs> we to stay if we win the playoffs, so yeah, enjoy exactly. six next weeks. few months. <laughs> Um, next game, Tuesday, another home game, this time against Huddersfield, who at the minute are 19th, but is very deceiving because I think they are on a five-game unbeaten streak. I could be completely wrong on that. But obviously, Neil Warnock has went in there, took the job after their previous manager got sacked. I want to say Carlos Corbovan, but I wasn't sure. Was it him? Yeah, th- uh, yeah I think so. It might have been him, I'm not sure if it was, but Neil Warnock took over and since he's took over, they have been in good form. So the table for this one is probably not something to look at. Um, but like I said, it's another home game. It's another game that Sunderland absolutely have to win if playoffs are to be achieved. And, you know, there'll be a few more games here and there that will also affect what happens. But predictions for that game on Tuesday? Um, I think you've got to go home win. Uh, I'll take, I always say, I'll take any win, um, but I'll go 2 0 Sunderland. Um, they did lose, yeah, they did. Huddersfield did lose to Swansea today, so maybe they're obviously my Huddersfield um, knowledge isn't that great, so I would assume that they're better at home. I'd be more worried if we were playing them away, even though we're decent away, but at home, I think you've got to expect them to come and, and just sit in, but I think we've got the quality to break them down. Yeah, it's an interesting one that because I can't actually remember when our last home. Um, Clean sheet was. No, me neither. Probably back at Redden, I think. Blackburn, yeah. I think that was February, so a couple of months yeah. since our last clean sheet at home. But there's going to be one that happens soon, and hopefully it is on Tuesday, which, like I said, is at home to Huddersfield. We'll get something out during the week to talk about that, and then again look ahead to Saturday's game, which off the top of my head, I have no idea who it is. But that doesn't matter this time because. One game at a time, next one is for the field. But until then, we will see you later. That's all, folks.